Maybe. There it goes. Um, so two Wednesday nights left during this Lenten season tonight and one more. And then Holy Week the following week, just to give you a, a little bit of, an, of a preview on the schedule for Holy Week. Uh, Palm Sunday, which is also Confirmation Sunday, uh, we will be confirming two students. Uh, Sadie Bennett, who is in the back, I think, putting on some confirmation, or no, um, acolyte robes. Uh, and then Jordan Clybaker as well. And at that uh, service, they will also be reading to us their essays uh, that they are and have been working on, entitled, What Does My Faith in Jesus Mean to Me? And in, in doing that, they are using uh, the parts of the catechism that we have studied, um, selected Bible verses that, that go along with that. So please plan on attending on Palm Sunday. And then we will have Holy Thursday or Monday Thursday service here at 7 p.m. with communion. And then Good Friday is a Tenebrae service. And note the time change. It's not going to start at 7. Good Friday starts at 7.30. Uh, The reason for that is because Tenebrae is a service of darkness. And with the time change, by the time that we get to the end, there's still just a little bit of light light left. And so uh, we're going to start at 7.30 for Good Friday instead of 7. And then, of course, uh, the Easter schedule. Um, sunrise service is at 6.30 for you early birds. Uh, I'm not, but I will be there. Um, and then the LYF uh, breakfast, which will be shortly after that over in the Fellowship Hall. And then at 9.15 is our Easter egg hunt uh, over on this side of the Street and it's going to be it's going to take take place now. Let's see. Let, let me get my bearings here. It's going to take place in the back over here and um, in the in the large field that is to the next to the left, I guess, of the parsonage. <laughs> South, right? North to the north of the parsonage. I don't know directions either. So yeah. Um, and that's at 9.15, and then Easter worship uh, is going to be at 10 a.m. Please pray for sunshine. I've been here for two Easters. The first year it rained, last year it snowed. And so hopefully we can have a sunny Easter, because that would be great. Um, and I think that's all of the announcements that we have for this evening. Tonight we are continuing through our Exodus series, uh, specifically tonight focusing on the Ten Commandments. And so... Uh, be looking for that in the liturgy and, of course, in the, the message as we go along here. So let's begin with prayer. <clears throat> Heavenly Father, we give you thanks and praise for this evening and this chance and opportunity to be in your presence gathered with your people. Lord, we pray tonight that as we hear the words of your holy word, uh, as we um, continue to pray upon them, meditate, contemplate them, uh, and Lord, as we, as we also continue to reflect on them and what they mean for us and what they mean to us and what you have intended them for, um, Lord, we ask that tonight that you would give us a zeal for your house of worship. Uh, Lord, truly better is one day in your courts than a thousand elsewhere. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please stand. And so let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. The Lord brought Israel out of Egypt. He acted with a strong hand and outstretched arm. 
Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. He led Israel safely through. He hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. Hear me, merciful and mighty Father, as I confess my bondage to sin and death. That is, in my sinful nature. But I cannot carry it out. No, the evil I do not want to do, this I keep on doing. When I want to do good, evil is right there with me. But I see another law at work in the members of my body, waging war and making me a prisoner of the law of sin and death. Who rescue me from this body? Hear the good news. The same God who delivered Israel from Egyptian bondage also delivers you from your body of sin and death. Jesus Christ, the Passover lamb, has been sacrificed and his blood forgives you and sets you free. Give thanks to him 
who led his people through the wilderness. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, send us your Holy Spirit so that we affirm with St. Paul, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Please be seated. Tonight's Old Testament reading will be from the book of Exodus, chapter 20, starting at the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carven image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter, your male servant or your female servant, 
or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Tonight's epistle reading is from Philippians chapter 4, verses 11 to 13. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. This is the word of the Lord. Please stand for the reading of the gospel. this evening comes from St. Matthew chapter 20. Then the mother of the sons of Zebedee came up to him with her sons, and kneeling before him, she asked him for something. And he said to her, What do you want? She said to him, Say that these two sons of mine are to sit, one at your right hand and one at your left in your kingdom. Jesus answered, You do not know what you are asking. Are you able to drink the cup that I am to drink? They said to him, We are able. He said to them, You will drink my cup, but to sit at my right hand and at my left is not mine to grant, but it is for those whom it has been prepared by my Father. And when the ten heard it, they were indignant at the two brothers. But Jesus called them to him and said, You know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their great ones exercise authority over them. It shall not be so among you. But whoever would be great among you must be your servant." And whoever will be first among you must be your slave, even as the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve, and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of our Lord. Please be seated.
Will you all pray with me, please? Dear Lord, may the meditations of our hearts and the words of my mouth be pleasing in your sight. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Grace, mercy, and peace be yours this evening from God our Father and through the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. I have survived the toddler years twice. I have one more to go. And the following toddler property laws sort of go something like this. If I like it, it's mine. If it's in my hand, it's mine. If I can take it from you, it's mine. If I had it a little while ago, it's mine. It must never appear to be yours in any way because it is always and forevermore mine. And so let's be honest. We can all just be like little kids as well as like Daffy Duck. It's mine, 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 mine. Deep down within all of us, there exists an insatiable desire to look at someone's tractor or lawnmower or bike or boat, patio, or porch, whatever the case is. Indeed, just about anything and everything that belongs to someone else and long for them all to be mine. We're in a series on the book of Exodus. And tonight we come to the most famous part of that book, the Ten Commandments. There are two commandments that address the sin of coveting. Not one, but two. God repeats what is most important. The Ninth and Tenth Commandments are the most important of the Ten Commandments. Why is that? Well, because every sin, which means all sadness, begins with coveting. Coveting isn't wanting things. It's natural to want things. There is nothing wrong with wanting things, nothing wrong at all. Coveting, on the other hand, says, I'll do whatever it takes to get that. I'll break any commandment, any statute, any rule just to make it mine. Woody Allen famously put it this way, the heart wants what it wants. Translated, I want it all to be mine. Coveting is why we worship other gods like our job, our paycheck, social status. Coveting is why we fail to honor our parents. Coveting is why we kill people with our words. Coveting is why we look with lust, why we lie, cheat, and steal. I want it all, we say, to be mine. How can we deal with our titanic desire to acquire? How can we become more obedient to God's word and will? How can we break the stranglehold of looking at things and people and always thinking, mine? The fact is, coveting is natural. Coveting is how we are wired. Coveting comes with being sinners. Being content, though, doesn't come naturally. Being content is something that is earned. Being content is something that is learned. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, the Apostle Paul says, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. Being content conquers coveting. Being content conquers coveting every single time. And how does that work? First, realize the sequence. 
Usually we rationalize the sequence. Coveting, no big deal. Realize the sequence. Then the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food, was pleasing to the eye. She coveted it for gaining wisdom. And then she took it and ate it, according to Genesis chapter 3. And so it goes something like this. See, covet, and then take. I saw among the spoils a beautiful mantle from Shinar and 200 shekels of silver and a bar of gold weighing 50 shekels. Then I coveted them. Then I took them. See, covet, take. This sequence appears five more times in the Old Testament. See, covet, and take. How often do we rationalize our coveting? We say, I'm just looking. Looking leads to coveting. Coveting leads to taking. And what does, and what does taking lead to? According to James chapter 1, verse 15, After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. Realize. Don't rationalize, but realize the sequence. See, covet, take, and then death. When we covet our neighbor's spouse, it brings death to marital joy. When we covet each other's skills, intellect, popularity, family connections, you name it, it brings death to inner peace. When we covet our neighbor's BMW, Rolex watch, looks, pick your poison, it brings death to our relationship with Jesus. Pastor Lessing writes this, he says, When I was in the fourth grade, my parents gave me a bike for Christmas. Check that. My parents gave me a Stingray bike. I don't know what that is, but... It had flared handlebars, chrome on the side, and get this, it had a banana seat. A banana seat. Remember that song by Steppenwolf? Get your motor running, head out on the highway, looking for adventure. I was born to be wild. I was born to be wild, he says, until I went to Greg Heiston's house. For Christmas, Greg Heiston's parents gave him a red Schwinn 10-speed bike. When I saw Greg's red, red Schwinn 10-speed bike, my motor died. Left unchecked, coveting drives a stake into our hearts, and then it kills us. Just ask Eve. Just ask Aachen. Just ask James. After desire has conceived, he says, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, gives birth to death. And so, the secret is being content. Being content conquers coveting. So here's the first step to being content. Realize. Don't rationalize. Realize the sequence. See, covet, take, death. The next step, personalize your salvation. Usually we generalize our salvation. We say salvation, no, no big deal. No, 
personalize your salvation. Exodus 20, verse 2 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Not her God, not his God, not their God, not some God, not any God. Yahweh, the Lord, is your God. Exodus 20, verse 5 says, I, the Lord your God, am a zealous God. Your zealous God will do whatever it takes to save your soul. Your zealous God will do whatever it takes to save you. He did it for you, but not with fleas, flies, and frogs. No. There was a Passover lamb. Christ's blood wasn't splattered on the the wood of a house, but on the wood of a Roman instrument of death, mingled with sweat, soldiers' spit, and cheap wine. It all ended, crucified, dead, and was buried. Watch then as Joseph of Arimathea places Christ into the garden tomb. Smell the stench of death. See the confines. See the darkness. See the sealed stone. And feel the utter hopelessness. Witness the charred marks of a divine explosion to life. There is nothing dead about our Jesus. Jesus blew the rock open from the inside and rolled away the stone. Jesus lives so he can speak these words straight from his heart to yours. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of sin and death, out of the house of slavery. I, the Lord your God, am a zealous God. I will do whatever it takes to save your soul. Being content conquers coveting. The first step to being content is this. Don't rationalize the sequence. Realize where it all leads. It leads to death. The second step, don't generalize your salvation. Personalize it. Jesus is the Passover lamb who saved me. The next step. Out of all the nations, you will be my treasured possession or my segula, as the Hebrew says. Exodus 19, verse 5. God's desire to acquire us is infinitely greater than ours. From the depths of his loving heart, the Lord says, You are always and forevermore my segula, my possession. And God wants us, warts and all. This, is, this wasn't always the case. Dr. Lessing recounts this. He says, two years ago, just a few minutes before I officiated at a wedding, the groom leaned, leaned over to me and said softly, you weren't my first choice. Rough. I wasn't? No. The pastor I wanted couldn't make it. Oh, but thanks for filling in. Sure. Any time, Dr. Lessing said. I signed his marriage license, your replacement reverend. (laughs) God always says you are my first choice. When you were baptized, God made you his first choice. His choice wasn't obligatory, required, compulsory, forced, or compelled. 
God chose you because he loves you. God looks at you in great love and says, you are my prized, priceless possession. Imagine that. The temptation, though, is to trivialize possession. What's the big deal? Don't trivialize. Internalize Segula. Internalize God's possession. Let it go down deep into your bones, into every fiber of your being. You are God's prized, priceless possession. What else could possibly top that? The heart of the Ten Commandments, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet anything that belongs to your neighbor. How does that work? Realize the sequence. See, covet, take, see, covet, take, death. Personalize your salvation. Internalize Segula. Where's the power to do this? The strength, the want to. God says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. You are always and forevermore lovingly, passionately, eternally mine. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please stand. We now recite together the words of our Christian faith. We do so using the Nicene Creed. It is found printed in the back cover of your hymnal. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible. And in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God,
Please stand for prayer. By the mystery of your holy, your holy incarnation, by your holy nativity, by your baptism, fasting, and temptation, by your agony and bloody sweat, by your cross and passion, by your precious death and burial, by your glorious resurrection and ascension, and by the coming of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. In all time of our tribulation, in all time of our prosperity, in the hour of death, in the day of judgment, we poor sinners implore you to prosper the teaching of your word, to bless our prayer and meditation, to strengthen and preserve us in the true faith, and to give heart to our sorrow and strength to our repentance. Draw all to yourself, to bless those who are instructed in the faith, to watch over and console the poor, the sick, the distressed, the lonely, the forsaken, the abandoned, and all who stand in need of our prayers, to give abundant blessing to all works of mercy, and to have mercy on us, to turn our hearts to you to turn the hearts of our enemies, persecutors, and slanderers, and graciously to hear our prayers. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, Christ, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, O Christ, yes. O Lord, O Christ, O Lord. We pray the prayer our Lord himself gave us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses. <coughs> Trespass against us and lead us not in temptation. Deliver us from evil. That is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. May the Almighty God, who led his people through the wilderness, satisfy you with every good and perfect gift. Amen and amen.
Thank <laughs> you.